Hey, welcome, welcome. Dan Lukowitz here. We've got a wonderful guest. Here we are on top, live from Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm here with Greg Parsons. Greg, how are you? Doing well, Dan. How are you? Uh, awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for, for joining us. Doing great here in sunny Scottsdale. Can't complain. Had a great opportunity to have a call with you this morning, and I'm just super thankful and happy to have you here on the show. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, tell us a little bit about Greg Parsons. Who is Greg Parsons? Uh, crazy question. Uh, Greg Parsons is a 22-year commercial real estate veteran. Um, I've been in marketing, property management, leasing, um, in the mall space, shopping center space, uh, office and industrial real estate space. So um, you're a fairly well-rounded um, individual within the group. So Awesome. Well, hey, listen, I appreciate having you in my network. Um, obviously, we met on LinkedIn. We actually have not yet yep. met in person. I definitely would, would welcome the opportunity to meet you. Um, and, and I tell people, you know, it's interesting. I tell people I don't really watch the news. I don't really get my information from anywhere other than LinkedIn. And why is that? Because I can see articles that are incredibly well-written, incredibly informative from guys like you. And then I can go ahead and interact with you, ask questions, have back and forth, have dialogue. And it's really cool. So, so I, I love some of the stuff that you've put out there. I want to ask you a few questions. First of all, you're formerly with Brookfield, right? Correct. Awesome. Correct. So interesting yep. things going on with, with Brookfield. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know, Brookfield is a major player in, in the mall re retail space. Greg can tell us a lot more about who Brookfield is and what they do. They've been in the news quite a bit recently with having things going on with the pandemic, and the mall shutdowns, and that retail disruption. So, you know, Greg, tell us a little bit about what, what the future holds for, for retail here in America. Um, we're, 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 it's kind of hard to say because we're kind of in this evolutionary period of companies and retailers and, and everybody's still trying to figure out what is, you know, what the future is going to hold. I mean, I, I think we can sit here and say a lot of retailers that have filed for bankruptcy or, or, or closing stores or whatever the case may be. I mean, these were instances and these were, these were, you know, casualties that were going to happen no matter what. Um, we just simply accelerated the process. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I think, um, you know, we've got a lot of retailers that simply need to make changes that either they are, that they're just the wherewithal they can't handle or they don't want to. And we, we've got this, you know, wide range of, Mediocre middle, as a couple analysts like to say, that um, they're either going to live or die. And right now, it, it doesn't look good. But I'm extremely yeah, bullish you know, on retail, though. Yeah, good. And I'm glad you said that because I know that a lot of people have this uh, this na this notion of the retail apocalypse, if you will. And and I'm glad to hear that you're also bullish on retail because as you and I have have conversed about. Retail's not going away unless guys like you and I and the rest of the world have zero dollars to spend and zero needs, which those are not going to happen. Retail has a very, very strong need in our society. I mean, commerce is commerce. Whether you, it doesn't matter how you, you skin the cat. Um, we're always going to be trading goods and services, um, you know, at its basic levels. You know, you, you can break retail down to, you know, your, your 
Middle Eastern bazaars thousands of years ago. You know, that's that's if you really want to call it that. I mean, it, it's just an evolution. It's just an evolution. And I mean, you know, this this where we are today in retail r- really has its roots its roots stemmed back to the mid '90s of when it, when you know when capital was cheap, you, you could buy very inexpensive merchandise and spread that over multiple different brands. And, um, you know, it, it, it had its power. I mean, it's, it's 20 years ago or so. And I mean, it's just a retail cycle. So I, I think there's, there's really good glimpses of hope within the industry. You know, you've got a lot of the digital native, native brands that, that are on, that are coming out, um, launching brick and mortar stores, um, after they've had a successful online run, um, Look, there's going to be a lot of amp- really good real estate available over the next several years, and there yeah, are certainly. very good operators um, that will strategically be able to fill those spaces. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you know, brought up some really great points. Uh, retail has had its major expansions in the '90s, and I would argue even even going further back with the proliferation of malls all across the country. You know, if you look at the developers sure. that were. Uh, making money hand over fist and probably even getting some incentives to do so, just kind of pulling that population away from the city centers and, and up the major freeways and creating new neighborhoods and new retail centers, new neighborhood centers. It was really, I think, exciting at the time and definitely exciting from a developer perspective because of all the money that was was being made and all of the opportunity. So fast forward 30, 40, 50 years, and now we're dealing with a situation where our population is spread out. There's actually, ironically, uh, what I call a suburban sprawl going on because people want to get away from the metropolitan areas now. And at the same time, you have these huge malls, right? Huge malls all over the country, many of which were closed for a number of months. And all of a sudden you have this, in my opinion, this perfect storm of opportunity for redevelopment of these malls. So I want to know, what are your thoughts? I know we've talked a lot about it on LinkedIn and over the phone. What are your thoughts about some redevelopment plays for vacant spaces inside of U.S. shopping centers? I, I think what, what really needs to be kind of focused on it, it's, I mean, there's the premise of the mall in, in its infancy, you know, and at the beginning was simply the community center. The malls pretty much were the retail epicenter of each community that they served. And, you know, you have the proliferation of Walmarts and, and the Kmarts of the world and uh, these, these large big box shopping centers the pull away from from the actual epicenter was was strong and you know you have malls international malls whether it be in dubai or, or middle asia mid-asia at least um they are more community driven you know they, they you know a couple of analysts mm-hmm. i've talked to I've, I've talked and more to, community they friendly them, you walk through the actual spaces they're even more community friendly. The way that they're designed is more to, to, to go with the flow of traffic and to have more human interaction. It's totally a different experience over there. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, they, but they're, they're referred to as alls. So take the M off of it. <laughs> and they're referred to as an all because they, you know, it's a comprehensive decision on urban planning. You know, they, they've put all this, it's, it's an extensive thought process that have gone into developing these properties to create the goods and services that serve its community best. And right now, there are very few malls in this country that can say that they serve their com- communities as, as best as they possibly can. Um, and, and I think there's the biggest issue of why we have um, 
are in the position that we're in today. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. I mean, you're totally, totally right there. I think uh, we've got some another another party there that wants to chime in with their opinion. It sounds like. So yeah, Greg, you brought up some really great points about these these alls having been designed from the get go, from their inception, to serve the community and to be, so to speak, master plans, so that they really have all of the needs of the community uh, at heart from the beginning. And and many of the, the shopping centers and malls here in America did not, and that's going to present a unique challenge in terms of how we repurpose some of that vacant space. So, what what thoughts do you have, Greg, on on repurposing the space, on on what types of tenants can go in there? I think you can look at um, a couple different ways. I mean, I think there's there needs to be a, a residential a component to, to a lot of these properties. Um, I think what you're also going to see is with the um, with the growth of fulfillment and, and retail fulfillment and, and you know store fulfillment, I think you're going to see a, an industrial component to some of these properties. Absolutely. With within one of their one of these anchor department stores, or it it could be you know off of a you know an out parcel, or it could be a redevelopment of a parking deck. I mean, it, it, there, there's a bunch of different elements that you could use, um, but but I think there that is where you you know you're, you're seeing all of the disciplines in commercial real estate kind of come together under one umbrella, and um, yes, that's where I think the evolution is going. Um, it's not so it's not so much just one particular role it, it, it is a comprehensive plan to involve everybody so you you have your multifamily you've got your office and it, you know the, the pandemic i think is just simply you know exacerbated that of the need to 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 create these community centers um to bring people more people together um in, you know in an effort that that makes just livelihoods more efficient yeah, absolutely. I think there's no question about it that there's going to be kind of this blending of the different aspects of commercial real estate and of consumerism together in, in one place. Because if you think about it, these centers were designed in, in areas, many cases, which are very, very well trafficked and have all of the natural, you know, necessary components of, of, of wonderful shopping uh, locales. And I think what's what's really interesting is you brought up a point about industrial fulfillment. And that's something that both you and I have written quite a bit about on LinkedIn. I think it's fascinating, um, you know, being that you have a background with Brookfield, what I noticed was that when, when Simon, uh, which is one of the largest mall operators in the country, if not the largest, uh, announced, uh, you know, they had some major vacancies and had some major challenges with tenants like JCPenney going out of, out of business. They announced that they were in talks to negotiate with Amazon to lease the, the space to Amazon for fulfillment centers. And their stock went up 10% in one day. I don't know if you remember that. Um, but yeah. shortly thereafter, within a few weeks, Brookfield and Simon said, you know what? No, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're going to swoop in. We're going to pick up JCPenney, I believe, for $800 million. And there's some fuzzy math going on there. A lot of questions I've got. Can you shed some light onto what happened there? Well, I mean, I think what, from what I know, the, the, I think JCPenney has actually signed an agreement. I think it was today. This other day is October 28th. Um, so, you know, Breaking news there. Was, yeah. They, they, they signed their agreement that they are going to take over the real estate assets for uh, JCPenney. And, and if I'm, wow. I, 
I'd have to look at the, the actual article, but I believe that also includes their um, their fulfillment centers, their their actual um, outside of the mall business. So it's it's an interesting play. But that's in, for eight hundred million dollars. That's a steal. It's it's a joke. It's it's crazy. It's a joke. Um, so that that just tells you. I mean, you know, J.C. Penney is one of those iconic brands that should not be in the position that they are today. And it, it's not for lack of store leadership, of individual store leadership. You, you know, you look at it, it's, it's those, the, you know, the, the Ron Johnsons of the world that, that kind of started JC, that, that, that really started to figure out, try to figure out where JCPenney was in the past and, um, you know, tried to implement some of these radical changes to consumer behavior that just JCPenney's shoppers just didn't resonate with. And right. you know, I, I think it has some lasting. You know, it's, it's really had some some pulling out pulling issues with regards to their performance. And you know, you look at J.C. Penney. There's just is there really a brand, an iconic vertical brand that they have that you could say today they could pull off a store if they wanted to? I, I don't, Arizona, maybe, maybe, but yeah. not yeah. really. Um, and and right. so I think. Where where JC is going to get involved, you're going to see. Um, I think you'll probably see some more store closures, especially with some of these landlords. Especially with the oh, certainly there'll be consolidation and closure, no question about it. And, and and they're going to get capture that real estate, and they're really going to reinvest. The properties are going to reinvest into some of these businesses, and I think it, I think what they've learned is in this case, as opposed to what they what where Seritage is involved with regards to Sears, is that they're controlling their real estate. And yes. that's really what the issue is. You need to control that's your real crucial. estate to control your own control your own destiny. And in this case, they're able to do that. And by, by so the way, that's read... not just for the giants of, of of Brookfield and of Simon and of Seritage. That's for everybody. Control your real estate, control your destiny. I love it. That's a great quote, by the way, Greg. Yeah. So it, it, it's very it, fascinating. It will be very interesting. To, it's it is it's a fascinating story. Um, you know, the, the, the how Brookfield and Simon have kind of partnered together to, to help out. You know, they started this whole process with Aeropostale and um, went through it with Forever 21. And I mean, so this is just this is just the biggest one that's that's been um, yeah. that's hit headline news. But it's, it's certainly not the last. Interesting. Well, you know, I, I think we could talk for hours here on Dan on Top. Unfortunately, we only have a few more minutes. I just want to add something because I'm, I'm literally thinking about it as we're speaking. I could be way off. I could be right on. I'm not sure. But you mentioned that that deal is is, is inked probably today, and you mentioned that you believe that it, it it is actually for those fulfillment centers as well that J.C. owns. And I'm just wondering if perhaps you know Simon and Brookfield, they they like you said they want to control their destiny by controlling their real estate. Maybe they saw well, hey, we don't want to lease to Amazon. We want to not just at least the retail stores. We want to own the actual fulfillment centers ourselves and own the supply chain. And then we can have more power and a better position when it comes to either negotiating or in the future selling. I think it's just an interesting perspective to see this on. And I definitely appreciate you shedding some light, um, you know, in, into your perspective on, on what's going on there. Uh, you know, listen, before we wrap up here, we only have maybe about a minute, minute and a half. Do you have any questions for me, Greg? I, I'm very interested. How, how is, you know, we vacation up in Michigan each year. Um, and um, I'm curious to, to see how your perspective is, how the commercial real estate space is doing up, up in Michigan. I mean, there, there's pockets, it seems to be there's some pockets of reinvestment going on in some of the urban centers, but um, how, how is the, uh, 
Michigan landscape coming along after currently. Well, yes. In the so first of all, great question. Uh, first of all, you know, I'm a national broker. We sell all over the country. I did prior to the pandemic. And as the pandemic was kind of unfolding, I sold to four different shopping centers in Michigan. I happen to be a big fan of the Grand Rapids market, very hot market. I think it'll stay during and after the pandemic. Yeah, me too. It's amazing. So Michigan real estate is hot. Uh, I have a background in residential and house flipping and, in, you know, kind of in, in, in putting together portfolios of single and multi-tenant uh, multi-family residential. And that market is super hot. It's still on fire. Um, you know, things are growing all across the country. Greg, I loved having you, man. I, I appreciate the connection. Appreciate having you on the show. Appreciate having you part of the network. Everybody, Dan on top, Greg Parsons, retail expert. Love you. Appreciate you. We'll see you guys soon.